Hi, everyone. Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation, on the Land of Israel Network. The last day of February, February 28th, 2023. It's funny that it's such a short month. It seems like so much has happened in this month. Seventh day of Adar, 5783, the traditional uh, Yortzite commemoration of the passing of Moshe Rabbeinu. So I guess... That fits, because I was in Egypt at the beginning of the month, and now I'm ending the month with thinking about, you know, the man who took us out of there. And I have so much more to talk about Egypt, but that's not going to be for today's show. I'm, uh, I almost didn't do the podcast today, because I'm pretty tired. Just got off a plane a couple of hours ago. Um, as I had told you, I was going to Baltimore, and I did go, and um, had a really successful trip, I have to say. Um, went down to do some follow-up mission that we had here uh, in in uh, November, sponsored by One Israel Fund, that we mainly spent the entire time, a little bit in the Negev, but most of the rest of the time in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria. So I went to Baltimore to Beit Tzvila, to the synagogue there, where some of the people from the mission had come from, to talk to people. They wanted to hear some more. They wanted to invite others who hadn't been on the mission to hear a little bit about places and people that they didn't know very much about. So I spoke on, uh, got in on Wednesday, spoke on Thursday night at someone's home, beautiful home, and just she invited a lot of her friends, an Israeli who was on the trip, who saw places that she had never been to, um, even though she had grown up in Israel, and she's just so wonderful and lovely and just wants to share that with others. So I did a presentation at her house that I had done before in the pre-COVID era called Israel Rejuvenated. Um, I brought wine from the Gvalt Winery. I brought Batuni, some of the wines that are now being brought back under the under the stewardship of Dr. Shivi Drory, and I brought the Tzchelet and the Judean Balsam, a lot of the things that I've talked about before um, that are being brought back. And I added some things as well, um, some things from Egypt and some, some of the other ideas that I had. And it was really well received, and people, people were, really, were really just lovely. I brought soaps there that were made at the Almog Farm by Guy Ehrlich, soaps that have... Um, olive oil from the area, along with frankincense and myrrh, and some of the afarsimon oil, the Judean balsam. So really like, you know, bringing back a lot of the incense mix um, from the ancient world that's growing in this unique spot. And um, my hostess wanted to give it as gifts to the people who came as something special. So I brought that. And then on Shabbat, um, I spoke twice. I spoke to um, a women's group uh, in the morning about women in the ancient world, the roles that we played, how we find us in the archaeological record, or more correctly, don't find us in the archaeological record, and just kind of expanded on that. Um, some of it from my travels, some of it from my studies, some of it obviously from the archaeological work here in Israel, some of it weaving in the Torah, because that's, um, that's just what I do is put it all together. That's just how it's in my head. So that's how it comes out. And then in the afternoon between the prayers, I um, was able to speak to quite a few men and women and spoke to them about Yeb, about the temple, about the altar to the Judean altar in the islands in the middle of the Nile. And what does that mean? And were they Jews? And weren't they Jews? And who were they? And when did they get there? And when did they leave? And what does this all mean? And I uh, spoke about that, I know, a little bit last week, so I elaborated on that. 
most people had never heard of it. And some people, it was disturbing, which is fine, because it's part of the history. And we need to learn about our history and the places that we've gone and the places mainly that we've disappeared from. And then Sunday morning, I spoke uh, at the home of people who've really become good friends who were on the trip. Um, a, a group of women, young women and older women, uh, all lovers of Israel, but from very different political camps. And that was a very interesting talk. Um, and, you know, even the question coming up, like, why is it important that we have an Israel? The younger generation doesn't necessarily see the importance of an Israel or doesn't see the importance of supporting Israel, um, especially when it looks like Israel is doing things that are not in keeping with liberal values. And it was a really good talk. And I'm always glad when people raise those issues with me when they're, they're not afraid to because I, I try and create an open environment to have those, to have those discussions and, and a thoughtful one. Um, and because, you know, some of my opinions are liberal in one way and conservative in another way, but we have to have, we have to have the discussion and the why. So it was all, it was all really, it was all really amazing and really beautiful. And quite a few of the women now, when next time they come to Israel, want to come maybe a day in Judea or a day in the Shomron, um, to see things that they haven't seen before and learn about places that they were either frightened or loath to learn about or didn't think were important. And it's all about the connection. It's all about connecting with people. I, I believe that so strongly. I mean, everyone talks about achtut and everyone talks about unity, but if you're not going to sit in the same room and have discussions with people, then unity is, is just a word. Um, and you have to be able to sit and hear from hear from people and talk to people who don't have the same worldview, who aren't sitting in the same place. And it's so super important. But at the end, if you respect the other person, or it's done in a in a respectful environment, also, um, and a thoughtful environment, and not just you know spewing out uh, phrases, then it may not change the world, but but it can bring us all closer together and realize that even with differences of opinion, we are one people and how important that is. Um, I see over and over and over and over again, though, that the thing that bothers me so, so much are the double standards, are rules that apply to one group that don't apply to another. And what ended up happening is just as that meeting on Sunday morning was finishing and I, and I was saying goodbye and I went and got my phone and saw the news and saw that um, the Aniv brothers had been killed in Khawara. I'm very, very familiar with the road in Khawara. It's probably my least favorite road in the Shomron. And when I go into the Shomron, it's the reason that I take some kind of protected vehicle. But I had just been there a few days before. I took the group from camera up there to Mount Grizim to Itamar. They understand so much better what happened a couple of days ago because of that trip that we took. And, um, and I saw what happened. And... Uh, Basically, the entire drive that I made then from Baltimore back to New Jersey and to catch my plane was done, um, let's just say it's unfortunate I didn't have windshield wipers on my face because I was um, pretty much sobbing the entire time and thinking a lot about what the responses were going to be and how disappointed I was going to be. Again, not just in like the left-wing politicians or the Arabs who are giving out candies when people get, get killed. It's like beyond, it's like really that, that worship of death is just something so beyond. But, but what I find that also, and I put up a Facebook post when I was sitting in the airport with a lot of my thoughts 
um, as I was just waiting to get on the plane uh, on Monday. Um, but, but, you know, I find that, and they mean well, they mean well, Israelis and Jews, who are coming out so vociferously against the revenge attacks in Hawara, which were terrible and should never happen. And civilians, I don't care how frustrated people are, um, civilians should not take law into their own hand. It's a terrible thing to do. And we have a police and we have an army and uh, and they're, they're the ones who need to go after the bad guys. And random and senseless violence is not is not the way. It's not right, and it's not the way. But what I what I really dislike is the overfocus on that. And I just read read something by someone who said, "Well, we have to overfocus on that because that's connected to us. The terror against us is not really connected to us, so we don't have to like own it as much as we have to own the bad behavior from our side." And I thought, you know what? No, I'm sorry. I don't agree. I do not agree because what happens is that that becomes what the newspapers pick up and that becomes the focus of what happened, not the horror and the terror and the just unbelievable evil and cruelty from the other side, but the few people who decided to take the law into their own hands. And I think that so many people keep forgetting that we're not sitting around our own dining room table. If my kids didn't behave well, and there were things that I told them and how I didn't like how they behaved and how I thought that they should behave. And, and I think in general, um, they did a decent job in knowing what's right and what's wrong. But when you put that out in a disproportionate way, it blurs the really bad things that have happened and the reaction become the story. And I've just been, and, and I, you know, on social media and also some of the emails that I get, um, a podcast that I used to subscribe to that I will no longer subscribe to by somebody who interviewed Arik Asherman as a human rights activist. He's a, he's a human rights activist, like I'm a unicorn. And this desire, this need to show how open-minded we are um, and how we will just talk to anyone and do anything, which is fine, but there's some people who are beyond the pale. And there's some. There, they, we have to understand that the things that we talk about is not necessarily the focus is necessarily going to be where it should be then because we steer the conversation in a different direction. And this moral equivalency is just something that I just cannot countenance. Okay, the people who say like, oh yes, it was terrible that the brothers were killed, but it's really bad that the Jews burned some cars in Hawara. Okay, it's not even, shouldn't even be in the same sentence. Or as Tali Gottlieb, the member of Knesset, whom I'm really not familiar with, but I just saw a tape of a speech that she gave in the Knesset, and she was right on. She wept during her speech, saying that just 15 minutes from where the Knesset is, it's probably even less, Mount Herzl, where the, where the Aeneid brothers are being buried, is literally a couple of blocks away from the Knesset. And she said, why are we not feeling for that and feeling for the pain of that family? She said, I'm not going to decry the, the, you know, the revenge attacks, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day. But today, we're with the families. And I thought, she's so right. Like, there's a time and there's a place. And, um, and our society is far from perfect. But right now, right now, a horrible, evil thing has been done to, and now it's another family in Israel because another young man was killed in the Jordan Valley um, just a few hours ago. Um, there has to be a sense of proportion. And I, I listened to 
<clears throat> SDN it's you know it's like funny the it's funny but some of the visceral reactions so the, their last name is Yaniv and two of my favorite people in this world are named Yaniv one of my grandsons and one of my sons-in-law so the name already has like an emotional tie for me and I listen to the mother and she says saying to people learn more Torah become better people go out and give soup to the soldiers join a more elite unit than you were going to join give more to the state she's saying this before her sons are even buried. She's saying to the youth, don't act out. Don't do that. It doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help anybody. Be good. Be better. Just like a few weeks ago, another woman, Devora Paley, who buried her two small sons, the same thing. Be better people. Not a word about hate. Not a word about any of that. And, and I think to myself, how is it possible how is this possible? Because I don't think that I could react like that if God forbid, God forbid. And I even think about the matriarchs. As one of the talks that I gave was also about the matriarchs and a little bit about the book of Esther. I mean, she's not one of the matriarchs, but she's certainly one of the um, female figures in our history and with Purim coming up. Thought it was appropriate to speak a little bit about her and her role in our people. They, as far as I know, unless there's something that I missed, they didn't bury their children. They had tremendous difficulty in having children. And a lot of the stories about them are about that and of their desire to have children and raise good children. It doesn't always work. But as far as I know, they outlived their children. And in Israel today, there are too many mothers bearing not just one child, but two. How can that, how can that be possible? And how can they not be screaming, just screaming? How do they have the faith to stand up and say to the rest of us, have faith. We don't understand what happened and we will never heal. But there are things beyond our understanding and our control. And Hashem knows what he's doing. The Yaniv brothers, their, their sister, and I've, I've forgotten her name, she, she led um, a little prayer with her friends from her high school. A thank you, saying psalms of thanks to Hashem for the world that he's given us, for the life that he's given us. Because what they say, and this is how they were raised, these are the mothers of Israel. Katonti, how small am I to even be able to associate with them, with these mothers, to even have the privilege of calling myself a mother in Israel. These are the greatest people people of such great faith and spirit than we're, we're dealing with a tragedy that for most of us would be the end. They say, love God, love our people, give more to our people. As opposed to somebody from one of the demonstrations that's going on who said, like, I don't want to serve in the army anymore and I'm going to leave the country. The country has betrayed me because the country is here for you. 
or you are here to serve the country and to serve God and to be a part of our people who have survived many, many, many worse things and are still standing and not just surviving, but thriving. And I'm just so surrounded. I have so many mixed feelings. I, I, I want to descend into rage. But yeah, I've done that before in my life. And it, it doesn't do any good. I'm sure a lot of you can understand that. It just eats away at you. Um, too much time that I have spent being angry with people who hurt me terribly, who betrayed me, who betrayed the role that they were supposed to play in my life. And in the end, because you can't change other people, so that anger that you hold just hurts you. And it's been a long process, and I'm still working on it, of, of, of sadness and loss, just replacing the rage, and then moving on and understanding the good. But the real test, the real test comes in, in these days right now, um, and I, I just I can't get past it. I can't get, I can't get past these families. And um, from the deepest place of sorrow to be able to say what they're saying and to help other people, because really that's what they're doing, because we're all so confused and so sad and so angry and feeling so helpless and, and just bewildered at politicians who just seem to have nothing in their minds except holding on to their own power wherever it is and, um, and, and having their own tantrums from wherever they're having them. And, uh, and then to be able, these are the true leaders, to be able to stand up and say, we don't understand God, but he, he has a handle on it. We don't like, we don't like what's happening, but we accept it. That is, I can't say that that itself is godly because I have no idea really what is godly, but it's definitely not human, at least not on the level of humanity that I've studied um, you know, not just in like psych classes, but just from human experience and knowing people. Um, there is something so unbelievably great happening here right alongside something so unbelievably horrible. The pendulum is swinging so far in both directions, and that's what makes it so, so difficult because you like to find like your little back and forth in your little zone where you can bounce comfortably some bad days some good days this is like on a completely completely different level and um it's it's hard it was hard to be away it was so good to come home it was so good to be on a plane that had the star of david on it a plane where i knew that the staff of that plane and i'm talking about ll were keeping me as safe as they possibly could despite the threats against us all the time, going back to a country that's home for all the fractiousness and craziness that's here, a country that is blessed and is blessed, maybe cursed at the same time for being that maelstrom and that portal to, to places both good and bad that have nothing to do with the place itself, if that makes sense any sense whatsoever. But I look down now as I as I record this and I'm in the Judean hills. I'm looking towards Beit Lechem, where it starts where it starts with David, that at least that part of our history starts with David and behind that up on the Atom Hill, which is mentioned in the book of Judges, is a place that 
Samson went to, and down to the valley, Wadi al-Banat, where the tradition is that that's where King Solomon kept his harem, and the fields around Bethlehem and the Book of Ruth. And I just, it's like at some point, time collapses, and it's all together at the same point. And I try and zero in on their doubts and their grief and their faith. It's the same thing that we're going through now they went through. It's something that Egypt changed me on this tremendously. It wasn't until I was able to go to the place from before we began to really feel and see the world from before the Torah was given. And Hashem revealed himself to a people in a way that he had never done before, that I'm able to have a little bit more of an understanding about how important all this is, how important the role that my people have to play in saving the world. I know it sounds so bombastic. And sometimes we're so not up to it. But we are so much more up to it than anybody else. Not the majority. But on a week like this one, where there's so much pain, there is also so much greatness that just to be at the fringes of it is worth everything that I do and everything that I am. I'm sorry about this podcast. This probably should just uh, be mothballed or whatever they do. Anybody even know anymore what mothballs are? Did I just totally date myself here? Um, But I'm going to keep doing what I do. And... um, because it is a small enough thing as a part of a people for whom God never lost his faith in us, despite it all. And we we have to keep that faith and have to hope that there will be some explanation one day, something for everything that's happening now. I heard a, someone said to me something, very wise that they heard from somebody else last week about so that's that uh, a woman had said that she and I don't know if I already said this um, she couldn't believe in a God that she could understand and it's true like why do we think that we need to understand everything we can't possibly we can't possibly call it karma call it the creator call it the universe call it, a God doesn't really matter the huge force that's out there, the life force that's out there, and the love force that's out there is what sustains this world. And this is the test now for all of mankind. Most people aren't even paying attention. That's what's really tragic. But for those of us who are paying attention to something bigger that's going on here, and uh, we need to do something because the other side never stops, never stops. Hashem Yukom Damam, may God avenge the blood of those who were killed simply for being Jews, Jews living in the land. And uh, may we all have the strength and the faith to continue in what it is that we're doing and, um, and just even without understanding it, just keep on going. And I can't even 
bless the families in any way that they should um, heal because I, I don't see how they can. But um, just that somewhere they should know, and I don't know any, them personally, how um, how what they're going through is being felt by so many and how their strength is affecting so many. And I think, like, of the three mothers of the boys that were kidnapped a few years ago, the same thing. The The tragedy was so much more than a personal one. Um, and in that space of the tragedy and, oh God, I hate to use this word, and the joy of knowing that people like them are in this earth and in this country and in my world. Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. Thanks to Ben. Thanks to Tabitha. And take care, everybody. And goodbye for now.